ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. TPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk Sandy. William Yokley, thank you so much for joining ATV Talk. It is an honor and a pleasure to have a man such as your stature on my I don't know if um, I don't know if you know what it means to me to have you here. Uh, well, I tell you what, Lenny, it's uh, it's uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and uh, it's I tell you what, we've uh, we've all become uh, good friends over the years, and uh, we've not seen each other in a lot of years, and uh, it means a lot for me to be on here as well, and. Uh, you know, as we talked about a little earlier, just, uh, you know, how fast time's going by and, uh, you know, just, I was just thinking today when you, you know, I was trying to type up a little bio and get things ready and I'm just, and I'm like, man, there's, there's no way I could put all this in one, on one page. I had to just shrink it so much. <laughs> and, you know, thinking back on so many years that we had and, uh, you can't, I can't even begin to, to box it all up, you know? So, well, uh, let, let, let's go back in time then. And you mentioned a little bit about, you know, LT80s and starting when you were nine years old. Um, was that just the start of your race career or was that when you actually started riding ATVs? Uh, that was pretty much when I started riding ATVs. My older brother and my dad, you know, my older brother had a three-wheeler and he, he had his old 185, you know, three-wheeler and went to, I remember the days he went to the 200 X, it had a set of forks and, you know, shocks. And, and that was just amazing. You know, the old 200 X three-wheeler. Of course, I just, I used to go out in the garage and just sit on it and just, <laughs> you know, just sit on it, you know, and pretend to be riding. I remember one of the days when I was a kid, they had an old motorcycle leaned up against the side of the house and, uh, cause there wasn't room in the garage. And, uh, I, you know, I was out there playing on it and turning it over on myself. And if I had to drag myself out and run under, it almost broke my leg and I couldn't lift it back up. So I just ran off. So nobody caught me, but 
But yeah, when I was nine, uh, I, I started riding the, I got a little Honda 70 actually for a little while. I was just way too big for it and went to the LT eighties and it's pretty much all started from there. I was real lucky to grow up out in the, in the country and, uh, my cousin lived across the road and we had a bunch of friends around. We would just get together and ride and just ride. And little, little did we know we, we, we got to be pretty good at it just because that's what we did every day. We just chased each other and didn't give each other any slack and, uh, cost our parents a lot of money breaking a lot of parts, but, but, uh, but, you know, that's pretty much when it started. And, and of course my older brother raced and, uh, which, you know, naturally I wanted to race also and started racing these little motor, local motocross tracks on the LT 80. Uh, we went to Loretta Lens, that's closest, uh, national to us and raced it a couple of years and began, uh, of course my dad, he loved it. And, uh, you know, I loved it. And, uh, it was kind of just a family affair, you know, and, uh, we, we went to the races and just, just because we loved it and started doing pretty good at it and started meeting a lot of people. We, you know, went up to, uh, uh, went up to the L the 80 modifieds, you know, with the RM 80 motor and a ATV chassis and done that for a couple of years, outgrowed that. And then, uh, just because we grew up riding in the woods, you know, uh, I always wanted to do GNCC because oh, that's where my brother raced and, you know, I knew, you know, Bob Sloan, Chuck DeLulo, and, you know, uh, Chris Gillette, all them, Roy Danes, all the, all the old, there's so many of them, I, I'll leave a bunch out, but you no, know, those are all the guys I looked up to back in the day. And, you know, of course, when Gary Denton, uh, he was racing the motocross and they were all the guys we looked up to. And, uh, so I started racing the GNCC when I was, uh, right, right before I turned 16, the race got the race Blackwater in 93, the last year they had that. And just kind of, it was in the B class, working my way up to A class, you know, pro class. And next thing you know, you know, it just, you know, you just meet one person after another, you know, you and I, we, we, you know, we got to know one another and, you know, we worked with the, you know, the uh, Duncan racing crew for, you know, on and off for several years and just uh, got to be a part of everything that I always seen out there. And uh, it it just little did I know. And one of the things that, uh, I always told a lot of people over the years, one of the most important things that uh, was for my career that I ever did was is it was simple. Just treat everybody the same and show everybody respect. It don't matter who they are. Talk to everybody, the kids, the parents, the fans, because actually uh, don't just talk to somebody because you think that it can help you get something. Talk to them just because they're a human being. And, uh, you know, that, that's how you build your fan base. And I didn't really know it, but it gained a lot of, a lot of fans that way. And, and I talked to a lot of, a lot of people that ended up being a big part of my program and become close friends with them. Just, just a lot of them said, you know, you always, you, you took the time to talk to my kid one day, you were busy, but you went and talked to him anyway. And just because I felt like that was, that was, that's what we do. You know, that's how we were raised. And, and just, uh, that, that's one of the things we love about the race and family. I would like to say race and family, just racers in general. Uh, it's just because of how down to earth we all are. We're all see, pretty like-minded. Uh, we just want to do what we love to do and, uh, just a good atmosphere. So doesn't matter if you're a West coast guy or an East coast guy riding your ATVs, riding your ATV, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. It, you know, whether it, it just, it's just, we, we're, we're kind of all thinking like, everybody likes to sit around the campfire, tell stories, laugh about that time that, 
they wasn't supposed to be out in that field, but they did it anyway. Or, or, you know, I, they told me not to jump that, but I did anyway. Or when I wound up, you know, breaking this, breaking that. And, uh, so many, you know, I remember that a lot of those. So, uh, you know, and the one, one time me and my cousin, we were riding and I had a R M 80 motorcycle. He, uh, my dad had a 300, you know, a utility 300 Honda four wheel drive four wheeler. He's like, don't be on that four wheeler. That's not for you to ride you know, don't be on it. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. No, I won't be on that. Well, he didn't get in he didn't get in from work till five or six o'clock. So my motorcycle was out of gas and luckily I had all my gear on that day. So me and my cousin, Jared, he, I said, he said, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, I'll just ride this thing. Let's go. And so he's on his, I'm on, I got on that, the one I'm not supposed to be on and we're just ripping and raring. And we used to go down in this dip and jump out of it. And I was always amazed how much we could jump that utility four-wheeler, you know, that I wasn't even supposed to be on. But <laughs> but uh, but then he had been up there goofing around with a loader and dumped dirt down in it. I didn't know it. So when I go flying down in that dip, it's, it's different than it ever had been. So I come out of it, and I just – so it's, I stood it on its nose, and I was going faster than the front wheels would carry me pool and so i just endowed that thing with them racks and all that on and i, I thought i was going to die and <laughs> just shredded the four-wheeler busted all the fenders blow the tires bit you know, broke the steering shaft there wasn't no getting out of that one i thought daddy was going to kill me that day so you know just <laughs> you know most things you can patch up or park it the other way or whatever and they'll never see it but that one was a little different story you know was uh just just things like that over the years, it, we, you think you're going to die that day, but then you look back and it's just hilarious. And just one then a little, do you know, when you get older, they say, yeah, I remember the time I did something like that too, but they'll never tell you that when you're a kid <laughs> because they think that's going to give you a pass, you know? <laughs> so did dad have to go get it out of the field or did you guys drag it back? Uh, we got it back, but barely I parked in the garage and, uh, it ran and, uh, but if you're if you ever had one of those things, you know you can't kill them. You know it, you might destroy the chassis, but that motor will never die. So, did you ever ride the the Kawasaki uh, seven hundred? The, uh, the the uh, the 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 brute force or like the uh, the that uh, the one drive that, sport monster that they made. Oh yeah, I just uh, just kind of casually. I never raced it, but I did get out on it, and I remember being uh, me and Carmen Caffro was out when I was out west one winter. We we I took that thing to the motocross track. He and I went riding one day, and I can't remember the track, but you know, uh, 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 of course, I love those parking lots and some of those real hard pack, just sand on it. And so I got on that thing, and I just started doing donuts and donuts. And there was a go kart track out by it, and they were out there. You know, the people were out there with the serious go karts. You know, the one twenty five uh, dirt bike engines on them. So I'm just out there having a good old time doing these donuts, and I'm laughing. And so I pull up, and I look, and I've created this huge pile. You know, a cloud of dust. They had to shut the go kart track down because of all the dust I created, and and. Yeah. So, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I did. Uh, that thing would that thing was would fly. So, well, I raced one in uh, Price, Utah, and mm -hmm. I came up short on a double, <laughs> and damn near totaled the whole bike. But yeah, we rode it up into the truck, broken fenders, broken wheels, uh, just broke pieces, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and, and all it was 
was I just came up short on the double and I hit the lip and it, it hit the lip and then fell on its side. Well, it broke the inner portion of the wheel out, broke every fender on the quad. Oh, I mean, it was just, we thank God we had a parts alliance with Kawasaki or I never would have fixed it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. We, I, I get started telling those stories. We'll, we'll, we'll go till the sun comes up tomorrow. And that's okay. If that's where, how long we're on here, we'll cut this into, you know, five or 10 episodes, you know? <laughs> so you started racing GNCC. When did you, or, or did you progress through the classes? Yeah. Yeah. So I ran first year ran the B class. I'm trying to think, uh, uh, I, we, we took kind of changed up the website a, a while back, or I used to have a whole kind of roster of year to year, everything that, you know, what, what I finished everywhere. Seemed like I was like, you know, fourth or fifth or something like that in the B class. And I went on up to the A class. Uh, you know, it was, you know, top five or something for the year. And then just went on to the pro and, uh, we, uh, uh, you know, I, I can't remember. It seemed like I ended up, you know, finishing ninth overall for the first year, seventh, the next year, fifth. And then, uh, it was all fifth. So I was pretty much in the top five every year for several years after that. And, um, I was, you know, we, uh, we rode a Lager chassis, uh, for a couple years. And then in, uh, the first, actually about three or four years there rode the, uh, rode a Lager chassis. And then we went, I think it was 97. Uh, my first year in the GNCC was 93. So, and 95 would have been my first year in a pro class. And then at my third year would have been 97. And that's when we uh, started riding the roll design chassis. We started working for Duncan, you know, right there engine with Duncan racing engines. And, and we had a, you know, real nice program. And you got, you guys always had uh very professionally uh, laid out, you know, you had structure to, you know, uh, your sponsor packages and, you know, work sticker fa- placement and a lot of things going on that at that time, uh, you know, it's like, oh, I got to do this, 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 and this. Well, little did I know that was because it was the most effective, clean, professional way to do it. You know, you, <laughs> you guys had some structure to it. It's like, now, now I know what those guys were doing, you know, a bunch of hillbillies out here just because we could bounce between trees, you know, we didn't really care, you know, so, but, but, uh, but yeah, it was so not, you know, 97 started running with uh, the road design chassis, the Duncan racing engines and, uh, just so many other sponsors and just met so many people over the years. Uh, I, I hate to even start naming a lot of names because, uh, I have so many people that help me. I don't want to leave, leave anybody out, you know? And so if I do, if somebody ever sees this and I do, it's not on purpose. It's just kind of where the story's going. So I get it. But, but uh, you know, and then, uh, so I used, uh, once I graduated high school in 1995, and uh, worked in the sawmill. Worked with my brother. We went around. Uh, we graded lumber for different sawmills, and uh, you know it's hard work. But uh, there was one thing it did for me. It kept me in shape, and my I never got blisters because I stacked lumber every day. And uh, but in two thousand, in the year two thousand, I got my that my factory first factory ride with Kawasaki when the old you know with the KX two fifty engine in the in the roll design chassis. And then I was so daddy, uh, you know, him, and you know, luckily he, he saw an opportunity and, uh, he, he told me, he said, why don't you just quit working? And I'm like, you mean I can do that? <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> I can actually quit my job? What do you mean quit working? I, I got to work, you know? And he said, well, here's the deal. He said, well, you, you know, we've already saved 
you've done good, you know, you've gotten better. So, you know, you saved me a ton of money with, you know, now you got a lot of sponsors, you know, we got, you know, I, I, we basically just about don't have to pay for any parts or bikes or anything anymore. So they gave us a travel allotment. He said, why don't you just <coughs> uh, take that? He kept it because he knew I'd spend it all in, in a month, a year's worth of money in a month. So and I was 23. He didn't let me have it all at once. So uh, <laughs> he said, I'll just give you, I'll split it up in 12 months and you can just, live off this and you can take your contingency money you're living at home and uh so that's what that's when i really started uh i guess taking the time training harder practicing a lot more uh really trying and i came out west more i spent a lot of time traveling and networking with a lot of people you know and uh and so i, I and I, I realized one day i was sitting there i was sitting there thinking how nice it was to sleep until and get up at eight o'clock instead of three 30 in the morning, you know, cause I said, and I thought, you know, this is all right. I thought, you know, I can either, and I used to be kind of bashful. I used to run from the microphone that the John Ayers, he used to get so aggravated at me. He would ask me a question and I would just give him a one word answer and just like, get away from me, man. I don't want to be talking on the microphone, you know, but then I realized one day I thought, you know what, William, you can be a bonehead, and just keep doing what you're doing. And this will all phase out in a couple of years and you'll go right back to stacking lumber, getting up at three 30 in the morning, or you can get your head out of your butt and really put some energy into this and try to make it, make a go at it. And so I just really changed my mindset. And, and from that point on, I wouldn't let the guy with the microphone come by me without grabbing him by the collar. And, you know, so I had a different approach. I just got more aggressive and just like, yeah, we're going to make this thing work. And so I really tried to start just, and I had to learn it all from scratch and I just learned everything I could. And I tried to treat it like a, like a business and, uh, and just, and I learned, I was around a lot of good people and being around a lot of people, uh, you know, I understood, you know, I heard them talk about, you know, the expenses they had with running their manufacturing, you know, I, spent a lot of time with, uh, you know, with Doug Roll out there in Fallbrook and, you know, uh, they, they put me up a place to stay and fed me a lot. And, you know, in return, you know, I worked, I helped them work. I would run things to powder coat. I would, you know, we would, I would help them work, you know, do just do the manual labor and, uh, as a trade. And, uh, and so with doing that, I learned how much it costs to, you know, to run that business. You know, I learned the, the strains of the, the electric bill, the product bill, on buying materials and labor and so then I learned the value of, uh, you know, if, if I don't, if these people don't make money, there's not going to be any money for me. I need to help these people make money. So without sales, they don't make money. Just like, you know, selling exhaust or engines. And once yep. I started learning and getting better at that, uh, I, I just treated it more like a, uh, a business and, and everybody that supported me, I tried to really do a lot better job as being an ambassador for them and promoting even, even if things didn't go good, you know, because we're all human, you know, we, we try new things. We're always trying to make things better during the racing and, uh, but they don't always work, but, but when they don't work, it's not because everybody didn't try. So just keep your mouth shut and just talk about how good it was. Take the blame yourself. Well, you know, I, I could have done better or this, you know, this didn't work out, but you know what? Uh, we, we learned a lot. Things are still good. Let's come back next week. You know, don't just cry and whine soak up a little of it yourself and uh, go back and make it better because those are the people who 
are putting their, their hard-earned money and resources into you to represent them. And uh, so, it, you know, understanding that was a really good thing for me. And uh, because, like I said, uh, you know, your sponsors are your lifeline, unless you have a lot of money, which I, I didn't and I still don't. <laughs> and uh, so, so uh, you know, just learn, learning a lot of things like it really helped me. And, and, and it, it helped me to respect everybody even more because and appreciate what things they did. And uh, so, and, you know, a lot of people over the years, not, not a lot, but, you know, a few here and there always trying to get me to build up my name more or Yokely Racing or something, you know, you should be building your name, your name. I said, well, the only reason I can pay my bills is because of these other people. <laughs> I said, uh, you know, I, here's how I, here's how I make my decision. Which side of the check is my name on? Do I put, do I write my name on the back or the front? When I write my name on the back, I listen. When I write my name on the front, I tell people what to do. So <laughs> it's right. a, am I writing it or am I cashing it? That that's, you know, that's how you find out where do I stand in this picture when I'm cashing it? I need to figure out what I need to do for them. When I'm writing it, I need to figure out what they need to do for me. So, right. uh, and so when those people, when, when you, it's not always checks, it's, you know, sometimes it's, you know, $5,000 worth of parts or whatever that is. And, and, you know, what I was kind of getting at to begin with there, once I learned how, uh, what it took to produce those parts or, you know, the hard work that everybody in these companies put into, this is their livelihood. Uh, you know, it helped you appreciate those parts. It wasn't about me. It was about us, you know? And, uh, so yeah, I think we could go on and on about that, but that was pretty important. Do you think that maybe in today's world, the, the <laughs> racers are missing that part? Uh, I think most do, but I think most do until they learn it. Some probably never do. Uh, I, at one point in time, I didn't know it. You know, uh, I was, I, you know, and I'll have to admit that at one point in time, you know, I was just somebody that just had a, I always said that was my dream to do this all the time. But, um, you know, I never really knew it would come true until one day I just looked around and I'm like, you know, this is everything I said I wanted to do when I was a kid. I'm actually racing full time, but, but, you know, up until that point, you, you know, we all have to, we're all naive until we experience something. Right. So, uh, you know, I'd be like, well, I'm just as fast as that guy. My, I should be getting this or what, you know, I was that, you know, naive person at one point in time and, and uh, still am in a lot of areas. But once I learned and really got to see things and realized it and, you know, kind of it, then I learn, uh, hey, this is it. What I, I want to get out of this, what I put into it, and you know, these people are, are doing a lot for me, and uh, uh, and I think you know what you said there. I think a lot of people do miss it, but so did I at one point in time, you know. And I, I had to learn it, and it was learning. It, it's um, pain is the best teacher. It's like learning anything, and and racing. Uh, I always laugh. I say invisible lines can only be found when they're crossed. <laughs> you know, like how far do how do how far do we go? Well, you'll know because you're gonna like wake up and everybody's gonna be standing over you, going, "Dude, are you all right?" You're like, <laughs> "I didn't make it, did I?" <laughs> so and then, then it's all gonna come back to you. You're like, "Do you dream? You see these images when you was a kid, and then you wake up and you're like, "Oh yeah, I'm on a race. Oh, what happened?" 
<laughs> you get you <laughs> but uh but anyway kind of like coming short on that double but uh but anyway you uh i think uh you know that's just something you learn and that's life you know when there's a lot of life lessons to learn in racing and uh you know one of the things i learn i tell people all the time and uh and my kids and i say just because you don't get off to the start you wanted don't mean you can't get the finish you're looking for you know, because I can think of, you know, a lot of times wadding it up with somebody in the first turn and being dead last and, and being on the podium two hours later thinking, man, what all just unfolded? <laughs> you know, <laughs> how did this happen? Yeah, exactly. I was I was mad two hours ago. Now I'm just like, gosh, I couldn't have painted a better picture. You know, it made it even better. So it's but, but you know, you don't get there by quitting. And, you know, when things bad things happen if you freak out and panic and throw a fit and you drive mad, you're only going to break your machine. You know, life's the same way. When, when it kind of kicks you around, just back up and chill out and just one curve, one turn at a time, you know, just, just take it one step at a time and, and things will unfold. So you just got to. That's so true. I mean, some of the advice that you're passing on to the, the, the youth listeners here is amazing. And, and I am 100% on that page. Uh, you're saying it in a little, in a, in a, in a different form. When a racer says it, racers listen. Mm-hmm. When a sponsor says it, they turn off. <laughs> yeah. It, right. Uh, right. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, it's, and it's, uh, we, we, and we all communicate in such different ways and, uh, you know, it's, I and mean, we all have different personalities and that's one thing I had to learn when I, when I dealt with sponsors, uh, you know, especially in the days when I had a lot of sponsors, you know, probably had 25 sponsors or so, you know, for just easy math. When you think about it, you deal with three to five, you know, sometimes you deal with one person, but sometimes you deal with three to five different people within that company. So now you're, now you're doing business on a pretty regular basis with 70 to a hundred people all 70 to a hundred people, they communicate different. They got different personalities. Some people only do text messages. Some people only do phone. Some people only do email. So you got to learn that about that person and understand who you're working with. And, and not everybody gets the same joke. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so. you, you work in the medical field now. Mm-hmm. Give me a comparison that sets you up for today's life from racing? Uh, well, you mean kind of comparison how, uh, see, like I, what you learned racing helps you in your business life now. Uh, well, well I tell you what, 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 what helps help me racing was, uh, I guess coming from, you know, stacking lumber, just being a, just being a laborer in the sawmill, uh, with a vision and a work ethic, uh, and just kind of taking what I was talking about, uh, you know, just treating everybody the same and having the same respect for everybody. And no matter you know, what, what you think they are, you just treat them, treat everybody with respect. Uh, that work ethic and the, the having the confidence, knowing that I did it once I could do it again. You know, I built, uh, had a vision of something I wanted to do. Uh, I just rolled up my sleeves every day and put a day's work in and kept my vision kept focused on where I wanted to go. And, uh, you know, I was actually, uh, a lot of people that I met racing are the, uh, uh, the people who, you know, 
actually, I still do business with them. You know, a friend of mine, John Barnes, he still races the UTVs, uh, you know, just prime example. Uh, you know, was friends with John out of, out of Tennessee for several years and he raced four wheelers. I raced and, uh, you know, he bought a UTV off my dad and, uh, <clears throat> and, you know, learned a little bit about what he did. And I just said, Hey, you know, I can't race forever. I can see the budgets are changing. I'm I'm looking for a different path and, you know, tell me a little bit about what you do. So he kind of, he helped me and I helped him with racing and he kind of helped me get into the medical, the medical field. And, uh, you know, and so with that, with those relationships and treating everybody with respect and earning their trust, you never know where it's going to lead to or how it's going to come around. And, uh, just like I said, just, <clears throat> just knowing that, that, you know, like if you, if you have a vision and just listening and understanding, you can do it. One of the reasons I got into that, I, you know, he, he kind of helped me there, but one of the reasons I did it, I, I said, you know, one of these days I was doing construction work at the time and racing and all I'd ever done was raced construction, sawmill, you know, it was all rough on the body. And I knew that, uh, one of these days, my body was just going to shut off. <laughs> and it didn't matter how much you wanted to pick that up. You, you wasn't going to be able to. And, and I, I thought, okay, what little I got left in my brain here, I need to put it to use. And uh, I kind of want to try to transition into something that I can keep doing for a, a long time. And, uh, but I guess, I guess the, uh, and you know, one of the things that racing helped me with was, uh, always being a, a, a good ambassador for those who supported me. Um, you know, like I said, always trying to be professional, uh, you know, every now and then, you know, in the heat of the moment, we let our tempers flare, you know, and, you know, got the adrenaline going, we do things we regret say things we regret, but you know, that happens, but do the best you can to always, uh, be professional. Somebody's always watching you. If you want to slam something against the wall, do it at home, not at the racetrack, be cool, be good, be a good, you know, and be professional and be somebody that people want to be affiliated with. Now, you know, that same, that same mindset and, and, uh, um, expectation of yourself, I guess you'd say, uh, that's, that's the way I still like to do things. I want to do it that way. I want, and, and, you know, when you're going into somebody's uh, medical practice and, you know, you got a doctor or nurse practitioner, whatever, uh, you know, and you're in there, you're, you're working with their patients, you're working with their staff, you know, you're, you're working with insurance companies. They want to know that, you know, they, they're working hard to build their business. They don't want to bring somebody in there to, to work with them on stuff that's going to cause drama, you know, uh, sabotage their business or bring, you know, make their patients mad. So that same kind of mentality of respecting everybody and doing things in a professional manner uh, even when you're having a bad day, just stay focused on where you want to go. Uh, that, you know, that carries on through life. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Well said, well said. So let's get back into a little bit of ATV racing. Um, you've raced a lot of places in your life and all over the world. Where's your favorite place to race? Everybody always asks me that. Uh, I think, uh, and I, I, well, I want to say, I really, I don't even really know how to start because I'll be honest with you. A lot of that depending on the day you had, 
if you had a good day, you loved it all. If you had a bad day, you'd never wanted to see the place again. You know, <laughs> like I said, I, uh, I I was laughing with somebody a while back. My uh, Scott Kiger, Coastal Race, and me and him was talking, laughing, and we've had some really good conversations over the years when we worked together. And uh, I told him, I said, you know, a, a good, you know, a bad day in Mexico is a bad day. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you can't just shake it off and go home. Dude, you're out in the middle of nowhere with no money, no gas, no phone. Nobody else speaks English. You know, it was a, but, uh, but, but there was some of the best times in Mexico that, you know, like I was talking about some of the, some of the memories, some of the, some of the times you're just rolling down that racetrack and, and it just, it, it, it's, you can't put it into words, the feeling you got when you, when everything's just flowing and, uh, you know, you're just catching people and you're just passing them and passing them. And, you know, just, you can't be stopped. But then other days, man, you just can't put nothing together. And uh, so it's really hard for me to say what my favorite place is because I've had good days and bad days everywhere. <laughs> you know, that, that that's well said. Uh, I know you've raced desert. I know you, I know you've raced GNCC. Uh, I'm not as familiar with your motocross time. Mm-hmm. And did you transition into the TT stuff as well? Uh, used to, we did do a little of that, but just because back in those days, um, the, there was, I think there was, if I'm not mistaken, I think there was six motocross races, six TT races. It was, it was part of the whole series and to get the points, you had to do both. And, uh, so TT wasn't, I mean, it was a fun but, you know, let's face it, I was just a chubby kid on a four-wheeler out there. And <laughs> I was, uh, I wasn't your, I, I wasn't your picture perfect guy, but it was, uh, you know, it, it, we did all right, but we did it to get to points and, uh, you know, that TT racing's a science. And, uh, but I tell you what, it's, it, it really is fun, but, uh, I, I knew that it wasn't, it wasn't my thing. We just had to do it. I'm glad I did it because it, it was a fun feeling and, you know, then you're sliding into those turns and doing everything against your best judgment, which seems like a lot of racing does, but uh, that's kind of what we did. You know, we did it because we had to do it for the points. And I was glad when they said, okay, you know, I can't remember what year that was, but they separated. They, you know, okay, motocross, you, you can run the motocross series or you can run the TT series and used to, it used to be combined. And that's why we raced the TT races. And now the, like I said, I've done very little motocross uh, once I got off the 80s. I've done a little bit on like in the two on the 250R days. Um, but once I got into the pro class in the GNCC, I, I don't know that I ever did do any other motocross. I, I just it, it I had to do one or the other. I wasn't like a, a natural at it, but I uh, did OK at it. Uh, but, you know, once I got away from it, I never really got into doing the the huge jumps. You know, I. I didn't care to, to, I didn't care to do a double or triple tabletop or whatever, but you know, I, I tried to play that game a couple of times. It didn't really end that well. And I just never did like to taste of dirt when it was shoved in my mouth, you know, <laughs> <laughs> now a little bit of roost, that's one thing, but when you're putting your head in like an, uh, like an ostrich in the sand, you know, I don't like that at all. So <laughs> when you were racing GNCC, who was your fiercest competitor? Oh, there was a lot of them. Um, you know, when, when I first started, you know, that was Barry Hoff was still, uh, it was, uh, I guess a year, 
a year after he took the championship from Bob Sloan and, and, uh, he'd run it. And then I was in it, but I wasn't even really, I wasn't a, uh, overall, um, overall contender. I did win a re- overall at an event. seemed like it was up in somewhere in Ohio. I just turned 18. Uh, and you know, but there was anyways, Duvall, Chris balance. He had a, a long run and Hawk, you know, we, uh, Gosh, I don't know. There's, I, I don't want to leave so many out. You know, you got Chad Duvall and, uh, and there was, there's so many over the years. I, you know, and then all some of the younger ones came, they got older and then they were all, you know, fierce competitors. But I, I don't know if I can put my finger on any, any one because, you know, like I said, you know, Brad Page, Matt Smiley, uh, you know, you like I said, I, you didn't lock wheels with anybody more often than anybody else. I just, it depended on if they were there or not, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't really show any favoritism. I mean, we just, if, um, if I was going for it and I felt like it was mine and they didn't let out, then we locked up, you know, sometimes I got the best in sometimes they, you know, they did. So, uh, you know, I've, I've made some pretty good moves and pretty bad moves. So. <laughs> pain is the best teacher, you know, so. Oh, pain and losing money. Yeah. That- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that wasn't as good as I thought it would be. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. I, I'm surprised that you didn't have, you know, that one guy that no matter what you did, you and him were were, were a nemesis. No, I, I don't remember ever having anybody like that. They, you know, some, somebody may have thought about me that way, but I didn't pay that much attention to them. But, uh, you know, I, I just always got along with everybody. There, one thing, I, and I guess it kind of, in a sense, it may have, uh, it might have, hurt me a little bit with like one, you know, maybe I could have done better through the years had I took it. Like I've been a whole lot more in, in, entrenched in it and when winning or, you know, when, but, you know, I always with me, uh, racing was just something I did in life. It, it wasn't really my life. Yeah. It was my lifestyle. Anybody who races uh, professionally or puts that much time into it, it, there's no way around it being your lifestyle. I mean, it just, that's what you live, you know, cause it's day in, there's never any days off. As you know, you're either training, you know, practicing, working out, wrenching, driving to get parts every now and then you take a day off, but the next day you've got to work twice as hard because things have got to be done. But, um, it, you know, I just never, I just tried to get along with everybody and enjoy life. And I never wanted, I never wanted to let it get to my head and get, make me somebody didn't want to be, and, uh, because it, it, it can real easy. And, uh, you know, there was times I think that, um, uh, I probably had a decent chance of winning the championship in the GNCC, uh, one year, I, I think it was 2002, maybe, uh, you know, won three out of the first four rounds and got a second or a third in the other, uh, not it, about as good a start to the season as you could ever ask for, but I wanted it too bad and i really just um i i blew it i i i wanted it so bad that i got angry because i wanted you know i was going to make it you know force it and i started having bad finishes and then i just got mad and just said you know what whatever i don't even care anymore i'm just going to go out and race and when i just got that off when i lost the opportunity for the points race and just just said you know what i'm going to go out and just have fun doing it and what it is is what it is I stayed on the podium from that point on to the end of the year. And that taught me a lot. And uh, so it's, and that, that, that's, you can't learn that without experience. 
but I never really had anything that like against anybody or we never really, there was never a bunch of uh, animosity or nothing like that. I tried to keep it out because, you know, I just, I didn't want nothing to do with it. That's awesome. I mean, you don't, you always, everybody I've talked to always has that one guy that rubs them the wrong way. And no matter what they do, they have that rivalry their whole career. But I'm glad to hear. I'm glad to hear that uh, that you didn't have that. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it, uh, I, I I always say a lot of times. Uh, there's not a lot of room in this brain of mine, so I'm not going to let anybody consume any of it. That that's that that make me mad. <laughs> so if I don't, if you're, if you're not, if you're taking away the fun out of it, I'm, I'm not going to give you much space in my brain. So <laughs> I want to get into some desert racing with you. Um, I remember, I think it was 2003. It might've been 2002. Um, best in the desert. We're the final race of the season. And Eichner is fighting for the championship. Him and Spate, they're teamed up. You came out there. It, it had to have been 2003 because you were on a Z400, a Yosh Z400, and Doug was helping you, Doug Roll. And um, Alan, my partner, and I had just come off of, uh, for us, a pretty spectacular Vegas Torino getting second by 26 seconds behind Eichner and Spate. And um, you came out there. And you put a whooping on all of us. I mean, granted, Alan and I were in the back. We were back markers that day. But you put a whooping on the front runners that you just don't see in desert racing. Uh, do you remember that day? Yeah, yeah. I remember it well. Uh, I can remember how dehydrated I was and that I couldn't see out of one eye. <laughs> That's probably the most dehydrated I've ever been in my life. But uh, yeah, I do remember that. It was, uh, that was a good day. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, we, uh, I wanted to come do one and, you know, it's always like, well, who are you going to get the partner and ride with you, this and that. And, uh, I just told daddy, I said, you know what, uh, it's just, I'll just, I'll just do it myself. You know, I'm just going to get this thing set up and I'll just go tough it out and I'll just ride it myself and, and just that just, you know, we'll just make it simple. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I took off or me, me and Mike Caffro were the back two to take off, I think. And, uh, he was the dead last one, you know, that was our, that was our position to come off the line, you know, every 30 seconds or minute or whatever. And, uh, so I just out there cruising at the first, you know, half a lap, three quarters of that first lap, I think it was what, three laps or four or something like that. Um, and, you know, and then he started catching me and I'm like, Oh, and I gotta, I gotta get on with it. I'm just out here kind of joy riding. And, uh, you know, I, I was one of the first guys to ever run tire balls and I had tire balls in that day. So once I got in the rock section, I just never let out. I was just pinned running through there and it was a blast because, you know, as well as I do, you know, before tire balls, you had to, you had to be real careful in the rock section or you yep. was, you, you would, you would regret it. Well, I, I passed so many people coming through the rocks. And then once I got to passing people, I get just, it kind of, the switch turned on a little bit. I really got, I got, I got the lock and it kind of got hungry and, and it, and it just kept, just kept clicking them off. And then next thing I know, I don't know when it happened. I can't remember every single detail, but you know, I remember I took the lead and then I, I don't know, I had a pretty decent lead for a little while and uh, going into the last lap, 
I pulled in, I pitted, and uh, I didn't know it, but they're like, I pulled off and, and I took off flying and they're like, oh my gosh, his battery's like gone or broke like or something. It was dangling. Something was torn. A wire was chewed off. They're like, if he stalls his engine, he's done. It won't crank. You know, I can't remember exactly what happened, but, and they're like, oh man, this, this is a great day. It's just, oh, hopefully he's you know, daddy and the whole pit crew is just so nervous for two hours or whatever it took us to do that lap because they said, if he stalls it, it's, it's over. But, uh, but my rear shock was blown. I mean, just blown. It was a spring and, and I was dehydrated and uh, just took a beat and, you know, it got pretty rough. And I can remember, uh, cause of one eye, if I closed one eye, all I could see was just like fog. I couldn't even see, I couldn't even see my hand in front of my face. I could see the sun because it like had rainbow colors, you know? And, uh, but on my one eye I could see out of, but I couldn't see very far. It just kind of my vision went, you know, so every time I'd look and I think I'd come up on a ditch, you know, and I'd be Superman in, out there in the middle of the desert. And so I was real careful. So that allowed Eichner to catch back up with me because I kind of, I was struggling because I couldn't see. And uh, so coming down to the end, he and I are, I could see him coming, but I got through the whoops and all that. And, and we're racing neck and neck. And he took a, he took a shorter line to a corner than I did right like maybe I'm two miles from the finish or something. And he got me, got me back, but I started so much further back. I had him by time and I thought no big deal. All I got to do is just stay in his dust. We're good. And so we got out in the, uh, got out on that final straight road coming down the, uh, uh, to the finish line. And, uh, I remember daddy and them talking They're like, they seen Eichner coming and they just got sick at their stomach, you know, like, Oh, something happened. And, uh, then I kind of popped out of the dust and they're all like, you know, jumping up and down. And, but then, uh, but then we come into the finish line and, you know, in the desert races, you got, you cross the finish line, but then you got to go up to the place where they cut your time off. And so I pull up and I just shut it off and they're, and, and it won't crank back. And they're like, so we had to push it across the line. And then I realized, man, if I would have stalled it, it would have been all over. Right. So, but uh, but it, I, I took such a beating that day. <laughs> well, you, that was, I know how far back we were, Alan and I were. Um, that was a rough race for us. And, and, you know, I was never a trainer. I never trained. I'm in better shape today than I was then. And, you know, cause I didn't train much. I worked and, and worked on bikes and then went and raced and, and I loved it. Don't get me wrong. And, you know, I was 240 and Alan was 270. You know, we were big boys. We rode a 660 and we had more top speed than everybody, but usually we were so <laughs> far behind because in the rough, you just couldn't make that 660 work like some of those other machines. Yeah. 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 That, that, that day, that was a, that was a pretty cool day though. It was, uh, uh, but yeah, it, it been there, done that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it again. <laughs> well, all of the racers that raced against you that day talked about it, and 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 were amazed that that you just destroyed us that bad. It was, we all did. Even you know, Doug was impressed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you're gonna be dumb. You got to be tough. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't necessarily call that dumb. I think that you just one hell of a rider. You know. <laughs> Uh, didn't you team up with Doug a little bit in, uh, in yeah. the desert? Yeah, Doug and I actually, we had a, I think we had a perfect season that year. Uh, we did, I think that was for the, the golden West crew and, yep. uh, Doug and I, we, we raced that year and 
I, we, we, we won every race that we, uh, that we, that we signed up together and, uh, you know, Doug, you know, Eichner and, and myself, we, uh, we were when Coom, when Kim Coonley and myself was racing against Doug and, uh, I don't know, I mean, John Gregory, maybe a couple different people, uh, you know, I think Billman, Steve Billman may have rode with him a year or two or something, uh, yeah. been a long time ago trying to remember it all, but, uh, you know, we always, you know, we were always racing each other, you know, that was kind of who we had to beat. And then when we teamed up, uh, you know, we just, we, we didn't have to worry about one another. We just went out there and raced and, uh, we had a, had a pretty nice season that year. And I remember it came down to the last race and I was, uh, uh, I, I was telling somebody the other day, there was one thing I learned the hard way is, um, you don't skimp on helmets or boots. You, you, you know, I, you don't, don't, don't get, don't take a bunch of helmets because somebody gives you free helmets, <laughs> uh, buy a good helmet because you, you, you will regret it. And, uh, cause I remember when we were, uh, me and Mike Caffro were going back and forth in a sand wash and, uh, and you know how the, the sand would get pushed up on those rocks and you, you, you they look like they were two inches tall, but they're really about nine inches tall with sand yep. pushed on the front of them. And, yep. uh, so <laughs> I was just leaning back on the seat, just digging, you know, get on the throttle hard, and the shock was already compressed. And when I, I hit this big rock and it didn't even look like it was there, I caught my skid plate and it just catapulted me over the front and it was in a rock garden and terrible place to wreck. But I rung my bell so hard when I got up, my eyes were crossed. I couldn't see straight for a long time. And, uh, it kind of worried me because it wouldn't fix itself. You know, I was seeing double. And then finally I got, I got my vision back, but I had a excruciating headache. And, um, and then I'm like, but you know, we're racing. I didn't have time to hurt. Caffro just passed me. I had to get, I had to go. And so I jumped <laughs> back on the quad and, uh, you know, I always had this thing in my head. I would, when I would be hurting real bad, I'd, I'd just tell myself race now, cry later, race now, cry later, <laughs> just block it out. And, uh, so I just charged back up to Caffro and, and, uh, he and I went, came into the pits together uh, when I handed off the quad to, to Eichner and I think Jimmy Stevenson was his partner at the time and, and they left the pits. And of course I had a busted headache, but I was done for the day. And, uh, but Eichner got him and we, we ended up having a perfect season that year. So. That's, that's pretty awesome. I, I was watching that while it was happening because I was one of the, the dust collectors behind you. Maybe, maybe I wasn't collecting your dust because your dust was settled by the time I got there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it was. I really enjoyed the desert racing and because uh, you had enough time to just settle in and, and just run your race and you was racing the terrain rather than there's I actually, the older I got, the less, it may sound weird, but I, the less I enjoyed just, battling with people, you know, uh, I kind of just like wanted to be left alone and just like be out there just clipping a trail and just, you know, enjoying the speed, enjoying running fast. And don't get me wrong. I like the competitiveness, but, uh, but I, there was something that, you know, one of the things when I, when you do something for a living, uh, it, it's it, when work, work's not something you just do for fun. I don't care what it is. When it's your job and you got to do it on the good days and bad days, it, it, it's not the same as when it was a hobby. And, uh, you know, it, it changed and, and, uh, it was really good to me, but, you know, racing became just a job 
something at times you wanted to get away from because it was, it, it was a stressful, you know, and uh, when you pay your bills with something, it becomes stressful. But what I, what I tried to get back to was the reason I did it in the beginning, in the first place, what I love to do. And what I liked about desert racing is, you know, at times, you know, uh, you're in somebody's dust, you're, you know, you're going back and forth and, you know, that's always fun, but for a couple of hours, you know, sometimes you could be out there on your own, especially when you was out front and you're just railing, you know, like talking about, you know, a while ago, having that feeling that's so hard to explain. And I can remember being up in the, in the hills of Nevada, Northern, Northern Nevada. It's so nice up there. And I will never forget. And, uh, just coming up this road one day and I see this, this Indian up there with a full blown, I mean, decked out paint, everything. And he had a fire going, uh, he was doing a dance and, and some people probably think I was crazy when I said that, but I went by the guy and I, I waved at him and he goes to waving that, uh, I don't know if it was a hatchet. I don't know what it was. He started waving at me. I'm like, Oh dude, I hope that guy's not cursing me or something. <laughs> so, but, uh, I was like, Hey man, I'm just waving, but you know, just so many, so many things that, you know, where, where do you see that happen at? You know, you, right. you know, how many days do you fly by that in the, you know, somewhere, but it just, just so many things, but, you know, being able to be out there by yourself and do what you love to do. And, and there's the, that good feeling kind of like that golf swing. When you, when you hit that ball and it's just like, you didn't even feel it, feel the, feel it hit, you know, it just was so sweet. You know, on your days when you're, you're out there racing uh, you know, when, when, when everything's just clicking and you like, you kidding, it's like, almost like you can't screw up. It's just perfect. And, uh, you know, some of that, that, that's, that's what, that's what I like to, you know, that's what I always try to get back to, to keep myself loving what I did. So and, and, and there's so much truth to that. You know, I, I've been very blessed to be a racer. Uh, you know, I was a professional in the desert for a couple of years and then I got to be an amateur racing works and, um, they're two totally different disciplines and maybe I never should have been in the pro class, but, but I was very fortunate to, to get on the podium a few times and, and, and really enjoy the craft and the, and the sport. Um, but I've been a race mechanic and I've got to watch my machines do things with men that were talented like yourself. And for me, I think that's way more exciting than being the guy riding the bike because you got to build it and then you get to watch it do things that you never thought it could do. Yeah. It, it, I tell you what, those, uh, uh, learning, learning how to go getting the guts to, do things against your best judgment is uh it's a hard place to get to sometimes it but uh you know when i go and do the whoops out there in the desert and it it, it takes a little time to and and trust and you get your machines working and uh you know those lobo chassis that we used to run uh it it just amazed me that you could just ring that throttle and just do things that was just you go over a ditch or you know, so many things that just seem wrong. You're like, how in the world am I still alive? And <laughs> so, you know, nobody would ever really understand that, you know, that, uh, you know, that, that feeling of just the things that the things that they would do, you know, when you got your suspension dialed and all your parts, everything's in harmony, everything's balanced. It's uh, pretty amazing what, uh, what you can do on these machines. Th that brings me to a question. So when you're racing in the woods, 
you have tree roots, you have, you know, your, your mud, your tight technical, your trees, things like that. And then you come out to the West coast and you have edges that you're hitting, you know, 40 or 50 mile an hour faster than anything you would hit in the woods. What does that do to your psyche? Uh, you know, uh, when I used to, uh, when we first started doing some desert races, it would take me about 40 or 50 miles to get like totally like comfortable per se, because you're going so fast all the time. You're, it, it's almost, you're almost, I was almost like tense and it took me a while to where I learned, um, how to, because in the sand's different, you know, woods, you turn the wheel and that thing's cut. And uh, but in the sand, you turn you're going to push for a ways and then you, you got to throw it sideways before you ever even get there. And, you know, so it was, uh, learning how to do that. Um, I, you know, uh, heard, you know, one of and especially when you're riding in the mountains, it, it, there's a, there's a, there's something you got to learn how to do is, um, look where you want to go and not look where you don't want to go. And, uh, you know, like a friend of mine asked me one time, he goes, when, William, how do you go through those trees and not hit them? I said, I don't look at them. I look between them. And I said, I don't, I don't if you don't want to hit it, don't look at it. You know, just right. stay focused. I mean, you, you can tell, you, you know, if there's a trail there, somebody's already been through it. You know, you can make it. You just got to be focused and you got to stay focused or you're going to, somebody's going to be. We're going to be waking up and somebody's going to be looking at you like, dude, are you all right? You know? And, uh, but, but it, uh, uh, but you know, that, uh, there were, there was a big difference, but after a while, uh, I got to where uh, I, I was so familiar with it that when I just, as soon as I hopped on, I was good because I just learned to drift. I learned to, I knew how to, I knew how the bike would work, how it would handle and to just trust it. And, uh, and it was, it was a good feeling once you got there. And, uh, so, you know, it, it they were both, you know, two totally different uh, aspects of racing, and they were both tough in their own way. You know, there were things that the desert wouldn't beat you up as bad as the woods, but then the woods wouldn't be as bad on you as the desert in their own ways, you know. So it, they're both gnarly and, you know, can be, you know, <laughs> physically, uh, very physically demanding, but in their own way. <clears throat> Hitting a tree at 30 miles an hour hurts, but crashing at 80 or 90 miles an hour really hurts. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. It, uh, so I, I just tried my best not to do that. <laughs> I don't know how I did it. Uh, I, I think, uh, the good Lord was wanting me around for something because there was a lot of times I don't know how uh, I made it. You know, it's just, uh, it, it just don't, it just didn't make sense. Well, <laughs> skills had something to do with it. So that, but, um, uh, I watched you ride. I've watched you ride. I, you're, you're a very talented guy. Um, I want to ask you specifically about your time on that KX250 Lobo. Mm -hmm. I know I got to ride it uh, briefly, and the vibration was unreal. How did you? How did you manage that? Uh, you just uh, you had to be a man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, I know. I know. I'm a I know. I'm a Californian, but you know, come on. <laughs> no, uh, no, it actually, um, the vibration on that was tough. I, you know, we worked with, uh, we, uh, one of the things we did 
And it was amazing how they worked. I don't even know who made them, but they went into the ends of the handlebars and they were actually rotated. I was told that the vibration would then they had like a steel ball and it would actually rotate opposite of like the vibration or something. That's it it sounds crazy, but, but that would deaden it some. And what I learned was, uh, and I did this because I used to go train on that thing, you know, four days, four out of five days, you know, a week and, you know, practicing for 45 minutes or an hour a day. And when I was go down the road a little ways to the to the section of woods that I had near to my mom and dad's house, um, as long as you was in the power, it was good. But it, there was a certain like when you let out of it, um, I don't know what it was. There were certain places that you, I don't care who you was, you couldn't hold on to it due to the pain, the pain that it would send through your knuckles. But as long as you was in you know, it, it was under a load and pulling their vibration really wasn't, I didn't notice it. Uh, but, uh, you know, it just, but I also learned it. I, I got familiar with it and, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I would have, you know, some hand cramps and stuff a little bit here and there, but a whole lot less inflammation in those days. <laughs> was that, was that, motor but, uh, but you know, what's that? Was that motor pretty fast? It was, uh, it was, it, the motor was really, it, it did good. Uh, Chris Grissom helped me a lot. And when we, he and I worked together, we, I went down there and we, we tweaked, he tweaked it a little bit, got a little bit more mid range. When I, when I first started riding it, it was kind of a, uh, a very flat in motor. It just was, um, it was all, we didn't really keep, there wasn't any mid range into it as very much. We, we did, uh, hours and hours of, of testing with air boxes, exhausts, and so many things. And uh, one of the things he learned, it was, man, I, I wish I had a dollar for every hour that that I stood by him at his workbench when he was, he took those power valves completely out every every race. And uh, uh, they they basically would open, you know, and they would open and close, go into that little chamber with the exhaust. And uh, that actually had a lot to do with it. All those little moving parts in there, uh, those little gears and stuff. Uh, he kept those things really clean to where it always functioned really, really good because if you didn't, they would stick. And there was a lot of things that anyway, a lot of things went into it. We put a ton of work into making sure that, that it, it stayed peak performance, but the transmission, uh, had motors had five gears instead of six. I think it would have been a lot faster had it had six gears where it would have, uh, uh, you know, like the 250R, it, it, would, it was geared for four wheels. And that was geared for two wheels. Uh, but I will say this, there was, there was a, it had its sweet spot also. Uh, in the woods, you could get it in second or third gear through the, through the woods, and you could ring that clutch to death. And, and the only way I could ride it, I would hold it about half throttle, and I would just work that clutch and just throw it around. And, and, uh, I never burned a clutch out. I don't know. That's like the toughest clutch I've ever had on any machine. <laughs> but, uh, if the clutch would have ever like just roasted and not made it through a race, you, I wouldn't have been able to do anything with it. But, but there was, there was actually times at certain places and, and, uh, conditions with that machine, I could never make any other machine go as fast as I could that one in certain conditions. Just because of just because of the way it was, the ratio and stuff on it, I, I missed I missed certain aspects of it, but I really liked other you know like 
there's pros and cons to everything. So, you know, and then, you know, I raced the 250R one more year after that. And then the Z400, then we went to the four strokes. So what, what did you think of the transition from the two stroke to the four stroke? Um, it, it, I, there was, there was things I liked about it. And then it took it along. What I didn't like was some of the, it was hard to replace that aftermarket chassis and that suspension. Uh, that was a hard thing to ever get to where he was anywhere comparable, but I really liked the four stroke motor way better than the two strokes. Once they made them lightweight and perform so well, uh, I did like that a lot better. Um, it, we, it, I wasn't as crazy about the chassis because, you know, it, like I said, you come off something you rode for years that you could do things, you know, you could hit some things that you never even dreamed that you could hit. And all of a sudden you had to really watch what you was hitting or you'd be, you would be dreaming because you'd be knocked out, you know, when you wadded it up. But, right. uh, but, 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 you know, uh, I, I developed a lot of machines for a few years and, in one sense that hurt me, uh, because like for like, I would say maybe for the championship run, because I was always developing rather than having something that was just fine tuned. But also, um, I was, I was either going to, I'd made up my mind that, you know, I think I was 20, uh, five, six years old, whatever. When I first started, when that, when that transition came about and I'd already made up my mind that, you know, I love racing, but I, I, I had, I was going to make a living. I need, I wanted to make a living and I didn't want to start making a living when I was 35 years old. I wanted to start when I was younger because I, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to, I, you know, I knew it took years to pay for things and I wanted to make a living. So, uh, when I started to work and, and I had, so I helped develop a lot of stuff and, um, so I had to start doing things and kind of making a paycheck. And, and when you, when you, uh, when you start, having, you know, getting paid to do things, you, you can't always choose what you want. You know, you got to, but, but, but that taught me so much because, uh, helping people develop their products and taking things and you can put it in a, on a trail riding scenario and it's great, but you put it under our conditions, it, it's got, it's two different levels, you know, and you know, the, the heat, the stress, you know, you, you know, well, just because a trail rider didn't break it and we destroyed it in 15 minutes, you know, Hey, there's some things to figure out here. And, uh, you know, so that, 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 that actually taught me a lot, uh, how developing something all the time, it, it really, it challenges you to, to become a, a thinker and always to work through in the adversity and, you know, understand when things aren't going as good as you want it. I will, I learned to pick, figure out what, what is working good and try to just utilize that as much as you can, you know, on a day that you just don't feel a hundred percent, ride as good as you can stay focused and, and just keep going, keep getting points and just stay consistent. And, 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 and at the end of the year, it, it'll pay off. And right. uh, so, but, you know, I, I know I probably got way off of the, the question there, but uh, it, it was a lot of work. Uh, and, and, uh, but you know, I, once I got, I think I raced up until 2009, uh, developed a few different machines. And one year I hit, I hit my tailbone really hard on the edge. Like I got over on a, uh, a bracket that was offside. And, and it, when I hit it, I knew I jacked something up and I, and so it like kicked my tailbone and I, 
And so I started having like sciatic pain and stuff like that. And I, and I had my, you know, the kids were, were around then, they were about two years old. And, uh, I just decided to yeah, move in, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to walk away while I can walk away. So. <laughs> so 2009 was your last year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was the last year. So. Did you ride the 450R Honda? Yes. I rode, I rode that in 2008. So. Did you I, I raced, version? I raced about the, what's that? Which version did the 06 up or the 0405? Uh, oh four oh five. So, uh, I, mean, I kind of wish I would have raced the oh six, but I didn't stay with it long enough. I, I ended up going to the Polaris uh, Outlaw and worked worked with them. And uh, like I said, I, I had to, uh, you know, had to go. I, I went with the program with a little bit more, and because you know, buying all my machines and stuff, it just it's hard to pay my bills at home <laughs> when right. I was dumping forty fifty grand and and you know a lot of equipment and and stuff like that, but. Uh, which you know that uh you know going to the the Polaris Outlaw, you know I was able to meet a lot of just really good guys and and at Polaris and uh, had a long run you know standing relationship with them and uh, it just uh, it's funny how you know one thing leads to another and uh, they were they were really good to me really good to work with and uh, I actually worked with all the manufacturers almost uh, you know to a degree um, probably Kawasaki Suzuki. Um, and Polaris more than anybody. Uh, I never, you know, on the a- ATV side, and I'd worked with, you know, we did a uh, very like little bit with Yamaha and Honda, mainly from the desert standpoint. You know, I think uh, it was from, you know, they would, you know, help out with a machine or something. Like when we ran the the uh, uh, Raptor 660 in the 2000, you know, the Baja 1000, well, Baja 2000, I guess you'd say, and you know, we got all the way down to the end and that little flag broke on the steering shaft and the last 30 miles Eichner was on the quad and it just, all of a sudden the wheels just went wacky. And, you know, man, that was a long, that was a long heartbreaking race right there. Right. We, we, were, we were leading it, you know, and uh, after about a day and a half, almost two days and down to the last 30 miles and, and that piece broke. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, like I said, we were, you know, we worked for them all a little bit and um, I could, you know, and I won't sit here and say that everything went perfect, you know, like I had, uh, with it, with, you know, our working relationship with uh, all the sponsors, you know, there was times we, we all got along really good. And there was some times that we didn't see eye to eye, you know, and, and, but that's, that's part of life. And, uh, you just tried to, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. And, you know, sometimes you make good decisions. Sometimes you didn't think things through good enough, but you just try to do it respectfully and, and don't burn bridges and uh, just try to have respect for everybody, whether you work with them or not. So. Exactly. Um, little personal question. How old are your kids now? They're 13. They'll be 14 uh, here in July. Twins. So going, going to high school. Yeah. Boy and girl. So, oh, wow. yeah, they, you, uh, you did it one time where it did it perfect. You had a boy and a girl and, and you didn't need to have any more. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Uh, yeah, we didn't want to mess with it. So I went from one to, from zero to two. I was afraid I'd go from two to four. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, that's crazy! I have six grandkids. Do you? That's good. Yeah. So that's, uh, I, I started a bit ahead of you. Yeah, yeah, it, um, yeah. I'm. I, I really, and you know, I've enjoyed. Uh, you know, 
you know, uh, you know, being a dad and, you know, and, you know, we have a good family and been very, very, very lucky to, uh, you know, to, to enjoy that part of life. And, you know, it, there's a lot of things about life that you don't understand until you have kids and you see that cycle and you, it really, uh, you, you gotta, it's not about you anymore. Right. You have a whole lot more respect for your dad and some of the things he went through with you, don't you? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you live through it, really. Uh, <laughs> I feel I'm really sorry for it all. <laughs> but, uh, do, do your children race? Uh, no, they uh, they they're into sports, music, just different things that they like to do, and uh, they they've had some little dirt bikes and they they rode and. I never pushed them to do it. Uh, if they wanted to do it, that was fine. If they didn't, it didn't matter to me. Uh, you know, if that, it's, it's their life, you know, uh, live it how you want to live it. And, uh, I'll back you up on it. Whatever, whatever they want to do is what we'll do. And, uh, you know, they, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna live through them, you know, and, uh, they love racing though. Uh, you know, they, they cry, they threw a fit whenever I, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm done. I'm retiring. I'm hanging it up. You know, everybody but me in my house was not happy for a little while. I'm going, whew, man, I don't, you know, come January, I'm not even stressed out. I love this. You know, I'm not wondering, where's my parts? Is it going to be built in time? And do I got to go, you know, so much stress that comes along with the first, the last two months before the season starts, you know, and, uh, you know, the new graphics, the new, the new, the new photos, the, all, all the different stuff that comes along with it. And, uh, I remember thinking, yeah, I can actually watch the Super Bowl and I'm not stressed out or in the garage working, you know. So wow. So let me ask you this question. Do they even really know your legacy? Uh yeah, yeah, they uh they you know, I guess they do. They uh but to 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 them I'm just dad, you know. So exactly. And I can and then that's uh and they, uh, but they, they'll watch some stuff, but they always looked up to a lot of the other writers, you know, uh, and I know they probably look up to me too, but, but uh, you know, but they, they like, uh, they, they always like watching the other guys because, you know, like they live with me, I, I, I fuss on them. I tell them what to do and, you know, I'm their dad, but, but, uh, but, you know, they, they really enjoyed uh, the, the races and that, because I always wonder, I'm like, why, why, why are they so upset? But then I got to thinking, you know, they were born in July and in September, they were at the racetrack, you know, they were, you know, they, and, and the whole time my wife was pregnant, she was in the pits. So they're probably though, you know, they're here, they're, there's like hearing exhaust and probably breathing exhaust fumes when they're in the womb. So, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's in their blood, you know, and, uh, and so they grew up doing it until, I don't know, they were probably 11, 10 or 11 years old when I quit, you know, and they were to them, that was, that was their life. You know, they, they look so forward to, you know, and I do miss the road trips. I miss, uh, I miss us getting to travel and spend time, you know, just being out on the road and, you know, and, uh, you know, go seeing everybody. And, uh, you know, there's, there's things I really miss and there's things that I probably never miss, you know, uh, of just, uh, the, the headache, the work side of it, you know, so. I totally get it, man. <laughs> totally get it. William, I want to thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure and an honor to have you on. I I really hope that the fans enjoyed this as much as I have. You were you are a fan favorite because more than one person has reached out to me and said, "When's William going to come on the show? When's William going to come on the show?" And and 
uh, I will get it posted as soon as I can and let you know when we're going to air your episode. And I'll need those videos from you that you asked me about this morning. Um, but it's usually the week of, um, and I'll let you know when that's going to happen. I do tape ahead of time just so that, you know, um, I, you know, you know how you're always stressed that your parts aren't going to show up. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm stressed that I'm not going to have content. So I go on these binges where I am reaching out to people every day and I'm trying to line up, um, conversations so that I have bang, bang, bang. Um, I've had, I've done six this week. Um, I have some lined up for next week and the week after already. Um, and that, that puts me uh, ahead months wise. It just makes more work for Valeria, my daughter, because she has to categorize it all, lay it out. Um, you know, which she does an amazing job. I hope you've listened to some of the episodes. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to have to, because I'm never, I'm never on, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't ever get on anything and listen to anything, but once I will, my kids, once they learn about it, they'll have them pulled up and I'll get to hear them. So. Well, uh, it's, it's ATV talk. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple podcast, Stitcher, all your other affiliates apply. We do have episodes dropping on YouTube, um, which are the beginning portion of what we, where we started. Mm-hmm. Um, I was scared of YouTube in the beginning and I still am a little because we're audio only. This is going to be video, but we're still an audio only deal. And um, we're growing in, by the grace of a couple of people that have taken a chance with us, uh, GBC tires and GPR stabilizers. Uh, there's a couple other people, Amber Advertising Agency, they, they're helping us out and take two custom tees. I normally don't talk about these people, but they have taken a chance with ATV talk and are really helping us and allowing us to do this. If it wasn't for those four individuals or those four companies, we wouldn't be doing it. That's good. That's good. Like I said, you know, that's exactly what I was talking about a while ago. You know, you, uh, you know, you just, you, with that, without those people, they it'd be, it's almost impossible. And, and, you know, one of the things we didn't talk a lot about is, uh, uh, you know, when, when I always tried to tell people was, you know, I, I got all the glory, but I, I didn't deserve, I only done part of the work, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't, you know, they looked at me, but you know, I, I said, you know, it, I wouldn't be here without a, a, a tremendous amount of other, a lot, you know, other people and a lot of energy, uh, you know, although they, it, I get the glory, I don't deserve it all. You know, it's, uh, it's everybody. So. Yeah. And, and, you know, I always loved being a race mechanic because no, the limelight's not always on you unless there's a problem. <laughs> when I was working with Doug, he would go win. I get to smile. But if we always had a problem, everybody's staring at me. Hey, what'd you do wrong? <laughs> well, I didn't run into that rock at 80 miles an hour and destroy the spindle. Okay, it's my fault. Sorry, Doug. I didn't, I didn't put a new one on, <laughs> you, you know, or, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Uh, but it's just for the love of the sport. You know that you were fortunate enough to tie in with some great sponsors that allowed you to do it for a living for a short period of time in your life. Um, Mm -hmm. I've been blessed to work where I have and to be able to do it for as long as I have. Um, And and like I said, William, I'm going to extend the invitation. Like I always do. I would like you to come back 
and maybe we could get in depth with a season or two and, and talk specific GNCC racing instead of a broader view. Um, and, and maybe I could, you know, tell you, Hey, let's talk this season or let's talk this season and, and give you time to do a little homework and, and be prepared for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would, uh, I'm trying to get, you had to get my wheels turning on that one. <laughs> I forgot. Well, my, I forgot way more than I remember. Well, I like it cold. I like to do it cold. Um, I like to do it raw. There are people behind me that are telling me that you can't do that. You have to have some structure to it. Um, I've never been a structured guy. Uh, I know that Duncan Racing has its structure in the way that it does things. Um, But, you know, Lauren will tell you, I've argued with him forever about being structured. So uh, I have a little bit of trouble with authority, even though these young ladies behind me are, are doing everything they possibly can to give a structured show with, uh, a professional outcome. And, uh, I just want to tell the story, man. I just want to have a conversation. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, and that's what people want. They, they, uh, they just want to see the, they, they want to see the nuts and bolts. So they want to see Exactly, brother. Exactly. Uh, please thank oh. you, family, for the time. Uh, I know that uh, everybody, uh, I'm taking some of your Friday night away from you. Uh, yes, we're typing this on a Friday night. And uh, again, thank you so much. And, and please tell your lovely wife and your kids, thank you from me and ATV Talk here. The team is really appreciative of your time. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. Brought to you by Take-Two Custom Tees. Screen printing experience that is dedicated to quality and customer service every time. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.